to my Chevy truck. I brought it high on the gate and Down the back and forth, down the ramp again. Do everything we can to come back in with a winning sack. That's a life of a fisherman you wouldn't understand. Something you can't feel on dry land. Gotta get your own way up in a cup. Set the hook on small mouth bass and then you'll understand. You gotta get your hands on a tomorrow. In a jeep with a sign, I bet you like what you feel. Stay on a day. Well, 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 it is Westbrook Wednesday in the building. It's your boy, Scotty B. I don't know why I said that. I never said Scotty B. That was awkward. That was weird, Brad. We got to start from the beginning. We got to start from the beginning. We got to start all over. We took a week off, and now we're the show's crumbling, everybody. We can't handle it under these conditions. Oh, B-Rad's in the house, though. What up, B-Rad? Brady C. Brady C. <laughs> Scotty B and Brady C. Why is that not the name of this show? Because it was... Oh, my goodness. Scotty B and Brady C. You guys do not hashtag that. That's not uh, That's not a thing. That's not a thing that we're doing. Timmons goes, that was strange. Yes. Yes, it was. Fletch goes, who's got them jackhammers? <laughs> the jackhammers, bro. Did you see those things on eBay? Dude, like... Bro, like 150 bucks for a fire crawl jackhammer. Like, don't get me wrong. I know it's a good bait and all that. But, I mean, really? Really, really? I don't think so. I just don't think so. Um, Dude, I missed you last week, bro. You like living the dream. I missed the – honestly, last Wednesday night, I was I don't know if I would say I was living the dream. I was sleeping on a bunk bed with Average Dave <laughs> and uh, at the catch house – um, getting ready to go film the next morning in the pouring down rain for the, yeah, for the Logan Martin event, dude. It was brutal. The rain was brutal, man. I was on a big boat. I'm not used to that big old motor, bro. It's loud. It makes the rain hurt like you're on a Harley. Like it wasn't, I'm, I'm, I'm getting older, bro. There's a reason my Harley doesn't crank in the garage right now. Like I just, I'm not about that life anymore. You need a hug. <laughs> dude, I'm really, I'm telling y'all, I'm, 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 it's rough right now, guys. It's rough. <laughs> Timmons goes, what's up, B-Rad and Scotty B? Gene Wilson in the house. What's going on, Miss Gene? Ryan O'Neill, what's going on? Barry Davis. We've got a ton of folks that I believe are either already in Texas or on their way to Texas, as well as up at Lake Norman. Uh, two events going on this weekend across the kayak fishing community. Uh, we are also just a couple days out from the 50th anniversary of the Bashmaster Classic and uh, and Hank Cherry's uh, amazing three-day run. Uh, it was just unbelievably uh, awesome to be there. Um, and for me this year to be there and to be in the press box, to be down on the floor uh, getting photos. Cody Milton, I have to call you later. I'm sorry, buddy. I'm in the middle of the show. It's Westbrook Wednesday. You should know. Yeah, you should be watching, Cody. What are you doing? Somebody text Cody Milton and tell him he should be watching the show right now. Anyway, um, phenomenal Bassmaster Classic. First time I've ever got to be that close to the action. I mean, I, I literally got to follow, uh, you know, uh, 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 
the, the champ's boat all the way around the arena and, and document a bunch of photos. I've already sent them over to his wife and she's super appreciative. Um, hopefully maybe, maybe someday soon we'll, uh, we'll, we'll grab him, snatch him up for an episode. I think that would be pretty awesome. But Brad, you know, what's even more awesome than that right now. Shea Baker's in the green room, bro. Is he? It's, it's, it's Shea Baker. Like I'm scared that you people don't understand who Shea Baker is. I promise you this in the next hour and a half. If you guys don't know, you're going to know because, uh, Shea is a Renaissance man. He's a guy that, uh, that just, I mean, he literally does it all. He's done it all. He's, he's been there, done that, got the trophies, got the photos, got the awards. Um, he's just one of those guys that, that for me, um, not being a competitive angler, quite honestly, because I'm not good enough. <laughs> he, um, he's, he's done, he's, he's stayed in the industry pretty much his whole life. And we're going to talk about some of that. And so I look up to him in a number of different ways. And, uh, and I tell you what, he just, he's been the most genuinely real, honest, funny, um, humble guy that I've met in the industry, period. And, uh, and, and, and that's no joke. That's not blowing smoke up his butt because he's in the, in the green room right now. That's the truth. I mean, I, I, I love this guy like a brother and, um, he's, he's been a mentor to me in this industry and I am super pumped for you guys to, um, to get to know him a little bit better if you, if you're not already following him. So, um, with that, uh, let's get the show started to get it started. Right. Right. Please, Let's go. Let's get this thing going. I'm still a little hoarse from the classic, though. Like, it's still a little sore. Let's do this. What's going on, Facebook Live? Woo! What up, everybody? Welcome to Westbrook Wednesday. I'm your host, Scott Butcher. In the in the corner over here is Mr. B-Rad, Brad Cody. And uh, we're holding this thing down for you guys tonight. We've got Shea Baker coming on. Two things I want you guys to do. You already know what you're doing if you've already jumped in the comments and done it. We appreciate it, but jump in the comment section right now and let us know where you're watching from. We love seeing the who's who across the country. Secondly, go in and smash that share button. Let everybody know that you're on here tonight, getting ready to uh, to enjoy a little bit of time. Turn off the TV, cut off the radio. Ain't nobody talking about nothing but the corona anyway, and we ain't got that. If we did, it would have a lime. So let's kick this thing off right. Without further ado, guys, Mr. Shea Baker stepping up, coming into the show. You guys give him a round of applause. Smash that heart button. Smash those shares. Let's get this thing popping. Shea Baker in the house. Let me turn your mic on. What up, buddy? Hey, man. I'm trying to start a train. You know, Flip, he got his own way of wearing his bullseye. That's my angler bullseye. Dang. <laughs> hey, it's like a cyclops. So you see it light up red. That's pretty cool. Oh, look at that. Ding. Uh-oh. This I is I'm pretty good. I think I'm going to keep mine on my hat, bro. Yeah. The dude is like it's like that's a pretty good little adhesive on the back of that too. I'm whipped up, man. Oh God, dude, you're gonna well, that was a permanent mark there. That's all right, man. That's good. It's all good. What's going on, everybody? How y'all doing, <laughs> bro? I uh, I think first off, man, thanks so much for the for coming on. You sent me a photo about 20 minutes ago, and you were making a grocery store run, right? For it looks like you had looks like you had bacon and pop tarts. And coffee creamer on the conveyor belt, bro. What's up with that? Well, uh, so I got the essentials. I got to write in the mornings because I go to work during the days. <clears throat> I can't write in the evenings because my head gets all busy. So uh, I was out of coffee creamer this morning. That made things difficult. So I had to get some coffee creamer. I called my mom. We live kind of close to each other, my mom and dad. 
and they got the nieces coming over tomorrow. So they need to pop tarts and milk and then bacon's dinner for the next three days. So I should be in pretty good shape. Bro, that's an Alabama boy if I've ever seen it. Bacon right. dinner for the next three nights. That's a that, Alabama boy. That did look like it was a good, healthy amount of bacon. Yeah, that was, it yeah. Nights. that's about it. Yeah, yeah, that was that. That looked that looked delicious, man. So, um, bro, we're gonna we're gonna dive right into this thing, man. I think you've seen the show before. I think you've seen how it works. What it is, bro? It's a game we call Plead the Fifth. It's a series of six questions, um, all designed to tell some stories and to just to have some generalized conversation. If at any point in time you don't want to answer one of those questions, Shay, just say I plead the fifth and we'll roll straight into the next one. No questions asked. Um, if uh, if you're able to make it through all six questions, uh, B-Rad back here is going to box up a, a big old box of Georgia Air and get it shipped over to you in no time. So so that'll be your price. Man. Right. We got cleaner air, man. We ain't got that Atlanta. We got Birmingham. It's small. It ain't Bro, I, you've been to my house. I'm literally on the line. Like, like Alabama's right there. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty similar air. I'll make sure you get a little extra. <clears throat> we'll, we'll get right to the line and scoop it up there, Brad. You can do that, right? Yeah, yeah Brad's got some connections to Alabama people. Yeah, good yeah, good connections to some Alabama folks. So yeah, that should not be a problem whatsoever. Um, totally getting me way off this squirrel segment segment right there. This is gonna be a rough show, guys. Y'all stay with us. Squirrel, <laughs> squirrel, absolutely. Um, all right, bro. You know how this thing rolls. You guys all jump in. Here we go. We're going to dive right in right now. This is Westbrook Wednesday. I'm your host, Scott Butcher. This is Plead the Fifth, uh, taking the hot seat as Mr. Shade Baker. Baker, question one, man. It's going to be kind of simple. Where you're from and with what you do, fishing is life. And it's it's life on multiple different levels. And there's there's when we say there's a sliding scale, fishing is life for you and your community and your family way over here. What I mean by that is there's multiple opportunities. Uh, your dad won, uh, was a big-time angler. Uh, I mean, you were literally in diapers. You guys took a trip every single year in October where your school principal was also a deacon, and they just, you know, you just missed that week as long as your grades were good. I mean, you graduated valedictorian of your class, so obviously you kept that up. But fishing is life. I mean, you don't even know any different, right? Tell me about that. Well, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I grew up fishing. I went fishing before I was out of my mom. I'm sure I went when she was pregnant. So uh, I was in a boat before I was in the world. But I, I fished all my life. My dad's fished all his life, his dad before him. His dad was more of a catfishing kind of, you know, fishing for supper kind of guy. He he grew up, he was the man of the house. His dad passed when he was like 10 or 11. So he dropped out of school and started working. And, you know, we – We'll talk about some stuff later where, you know, when we get to some serious stuff, I'm sure. But uh, we really don't realize how good we got it these days. And uh, there's a lot of people that didn't. So, like I said, they fished back in the day, but that was more for supper and we fished for sports. So, uh, yeah, I fished. It's in my blood. And, and I'm still using fishing to make a living. I, I work at a, a place that's basically a rich guy's playground. It's a, uh, hunting property guy owns and he's got a big pond there and all too but i work there during the day that's the nine to five or the seven to three thirty i guess but i still write obviously and do some video and all so i still make money off of off of fishing so yeah it's my world's pretty eat up with it and more so in the past than now uh, i used to do even more than i do now but it's it's a pretty healthy balance now where i can i can dabble in it still make some money still enjoy it and uh not get burnt out you know not just completely consuming you yeah 
I got you. I got you. Makes sense. Easy, easy enough, man. Now you fished all through high school, and then, uh, and then even on into college, you ended up going over to Auburn University, where, uh, where, where you were on the fishing team for years. Uh, a lot of folks may not realize that, uh, um, you know, there was, there, you know, there's a, there's a, you know, a little name in the industry, uh, a young gun coming in. I, I think your junior or senior year, right? Uh, goes by the name Lee. Some guys call him Jay Lee. Some yep. guys call him two-time Bassmaster Classic champion Jordan Lee, back to back. But uh, but of all that and everything that you've gone through and everything that was at Auburn, what's your favorite memory from fishing or in general from Auburn University? What do you take from there? Other um, than we uh, uh, we made it the national championship two, <coughs> two years in a row, and that was pretty cool. I mean, the whole thing was neat. Uh, I was fortunate enough. FLW came out. Uh, college fishing was just kind of getting started, really. When I when I got into college, my second semester there, I think the team started, and my third semester I joined. And uh, so FLW was the big college fishing deal first, and uh, Bass was doing some stuff too. But FLW dumped a ton of money into it, and the first the first two years when I was there, I'm sure they did after two some, but they gave away hundred thousand dollars at their at their national championship two years in a row to the winner and a lot of money to the rest of them. And they had regional championships and qualifiers and everything. So I was fortunate to get to fish every day that I was eligible through the qualifiers. Once we qualified, we couldn't fish another one. We had to let somebody else go. So then we'd go to the regionals and they were three day events. And I went through both years all the way to the end of those and the top five and then the national championships two years. So that was one of the coolest things about the college deal is the biggest stage we had at the time, I was able to fish every day. I was eligible to fish, you know, through qualifying. And, and you know, that was it's a team event. So I had two different partners. I had Jordan Lee and Dennis Parker. And, and we both, you know, all three of us caught fish on those teams, obviously. So it was a it was a neat dynamic, and uh, which I fished team tournaments all my life with my dad. But uh, that was a cool deal, getting to, you know, be a big part of that and that early scene at the college level, you know. Now you went on from college and you fished the FLW back then. It was the EverStart, which is which was the Costas, and then now it's the Toyota series, right? Yeah. So I mean, you you made that transi- that transition right after college. Yeah, I think I uh, fished my first EverStart. The way co- the way college fishing worked is you qualify like in January. We went Okeechobee and qualified. Then our regional was in the fall, and then our national championship was the next April. So I actually graduated before I fished my last national championship. So I fished. My first ever start then a couple months before the last college event and uh the first day ever uh i caught 22 pounds at okeechobee i went to a place where i thought i was going to catch a good bay didn't catch anything there was boats everywhere left went to my plan b didn't catch anything ran to a place where i thought i might catch 12 pounds the females moved in they caught 22 pounds so it was dumb luck and beginner's luck and all and i actually wrote an article the other day uh, for wired to fish about because i have had really terrible tournaments lately I wrote an article about, uh, I think it was entitled, I was better before I knew anything. And That's, we're, we're actually going to dig into that. So, yeah, so hold up, hold the brakes on that. We're going to dig into that a little bit. But they ever start, yeah, they were good early on. And uh, I really enjoyed doing all that for sure. And fishing those, you know, I like going to a lake I've never been to before and uh, breaking it down and just looking at the map and saying, that looks good. Let's go there and catch fish. Don't catch fish. Move on, do it again. Fishing his thing today. Now, I'm not the only one. So many people reference you as the renaissance man of the industry. I mean, if you dig through, you know, any if we, you know, if we, if we word search Shea Baker in the industry, I mean, there's times when you've got a video camera on top of you. There's times when you're setting up 
GoPros. You're you've got you've got articles up and down on 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 bass, on wired to fish, on uh, dealing with angler. I mean, you're a phenomenal writer. You're a phenomenal photographer, a storyteller, but you're also a phenomenal angler in and of its own. Uh, what was the transition after after the FLW and, and Auburn deal to uh, to start working with bass, kind of behind the scenes, not necessarily working with a rod in your hand? What was that transition like there? Because I mean, you really covered. You know, uh, you know, several years back, some of the high, you know some of the highest highs of some of these anglers' careers. <clears throat> well, um, the way it kind of worked, I, I was at the college, the, the college national championship. My, I guess it was the junior year one at Fort Loudon, yeah. And the uh, uh, editor in chief for FW Magazine at the time, Colin Moore. Well, Walt and uh, the FW editor-in-chief of the magazine uh, was doing live updates on us. And it was like one o'clock. We, we led the first day, bombed the second day, but still made the top five. And so it's the final day. There's five teams out there. We're in like third, but we, one o'clock, hadn't had a bite. And I said, man, if it's fishing thing that we're out of sure could you do the job right? And then he said, you like to write? I said, yeah, about fishing I do. You know, I don't have any training or anything, but I like to write. And so I didn't think anything else about it. And we go, we ended up catching some fish. I think we finished I think we ended up finishing third, caught like a five pounder and a couple, two and a half, three pounders. And uh, we went up, you know, and that whole deal lasts like an hour, hour and a half, whatever. And I come down and <clears throat> dad said, you know who Colin Moore is? I said, yes, the editor. He said, he talked to me for like an hour in the crowd today during the weigh-in and wants you to do some writing for him. So I said, awesome. So I got in touch with him. And so the first writing I ever did was for Wired to Fish. I, I can't remember if I did more first things for Wired to Fish or FOW, but about the same time I did a little something. I met the guys at Wired to Fish a classic maybe and sat down and talked to me their classic or I cast uh Todd Hamill and uh Jason Seelock and Terry Brown and now Walker Smith's a big part of that over there but I met those guys back then and uh so I started doing a little bit of freelance stuff and uh, honestly the first couple things I did for FOW were just free things for the college section and then that turned into a series called pro lessons where I as an angler would go fish an angler and a rider would go fish with a really good fisherman like JT Kenny. And I learned how to punch from JT Kenny. And I would, I would convey that through the article and talk about the lessons I was learning and teach people uh, together, you know, both of us. So I was kind of a conduit for the pros to, to, and I would, I would ask them more than I guess most of the writers would, or try to get them to give up more and ask the right questions. Cause I was curious myself, like, why did you do that? And they don't usually get that question or they try to skirt that question. So those articles were pretty cool and pretty in depth. And uh, so I actually did on the water coverage for FLW for a couple of years while I was fishing the Everstarts and got to know Rob Newell over there. He was over there at the time. He's with MLF now doing on the water coverage, but um, I did that with them and uh, Trip Weldon's two sons, Hank Weldon and Ben Weldon, Trip's term record bass. Yeah, I real good buddies and uh, Hank Weldon, Ben's older brother, Trip's oldest son. Uh, I was fishing in some of the college events. Obviously, he was a college tournament director over at Bass, so he had been trying to talk to him about coming to do stuff at Bass. And that was that time where there was you know tension between FOW and Bass, and I mean Walmart and Kmart, whatever you know. So there's going to be some yeah. competition there, and you don't want to muddy the waters. But FOW came to me and said, "We can't." keep you on next year, budget issues, whatever. I said, that's fine. You know, I appreciate the opportunity. I've worked with them a couple of years, ran their whole social media platform. I knew nothing about social, you know, marketing or whatever, other than I was a kid who knew what Facebook was. And so they put me over there on Facebook and everything. Did that and a lot of on the water 
coverage photos and blogs. And so then did that for a couple of years. And I, I went over to Bass and I sat down with uh, Hank, got me a meeting with Jim Sexton, the head of uh, digital over there. And uh, he had come in with the new ownership and they were kind of getting the, you know, he, he wasn't a fisherman, but he's a really smart guy. I think he just, he came over from like a HG network or something like that. I don't want to say for sure, but he could, he had a, a good brain for taking fishing to the, another level, you know? So I went in and I sat down with him and I said, I'd like to take GoPros and put them on bass boats. And uh, you got six camera guys on the final day. You got 12 guys fishing. When the guy from seventh starts catching a big bag, all of a sudden it's, everybody freaks out. We got to move. Who we moved? We take the guy off third. So, because you got to get that winning moment, you got to get at least some time. So anyway, I said. 2014, like there are very few folks even running GoPros. Like GoPro is a new company and you literally are walking in a meeting with Bass and saying, look guys, I can make what I can make your coverage better with this little camera right here. Like that was you, you were the guy that kind of brought GoPro to the sport. I know you're humble and you don't like putting it like that, but I mean, facts are facts. Well, I was a, I was in the right place at the right time. I was a guy that knew how to plug them in, turn them on and, and point them in the right direction. But you also had Brandon Pollock, Swindle, uh, Van Dam and Ayler. I know those four were talking to GoPro about sponsorships with them personally. And there were people at Bass on the marketing side trying to connect with GoPro and say, you know, how can we tailor this? So I, I plugged in perfectly. And like the first tournament I ever worked with, so I go in and I asked Jim Sex and I pitched the idea. I said, you know, you can take six cameras, you pay one guy, and you got some eyeballs at least on all six of these guys so you don't miss the winning moment. And he's like, that's cool. And I like the idea that that's not a thing. So you can do this, which was Bass Track. And in your free time, you can do that. So I was like, all right, whatever, you know, whatever gets me out there. So the first tournament I went to, I had my one GoPro. It was a Toho open. And that's where I first met James Overstreet. And uh, Uncle James, I call him now. And he, he's one of the best guys on the planet. And uh, obviously photographer at Bass and done a lot of other photography over the years, but uh, works with JM. But uh, I met him there. And so I went out. So I did some stuff there with that one GoPro of mine the first day. And they liked it so much. I did a time lapse. So Terry Scroggins running all the way from Toho down to Kissimmee, locking a couple of times, running all those canals. And he, you're sitting there listening to the anthem. Then the time lapse starts. And the next thing you see is him making his first flip. And uh, Bass liked that. And they gave me the, the company card and sent me to Best Buy to buy another one. So day two, I had two GoPros. Well, the next tournament I worked was the Classic. And so I had my GoPro and one of theirs. And I did some stuff. But long story short, a calendar year later, GoPro was a title sponsor of the Classic. And uh, we had a hundred GoPros and they're like, we need you to put out 60 GoPros. We're going to be afforded the production team. We want a GoPro on every boat and we still want you to do bass track, which means that, so I had 60 bass tracks, 60 GoPros. I had a chart. I mean, I would blow fuses in the hotel. I, I never did, but I have no idea how I did because I'd have a power strip with like six cords coming off charging GoPros. And then the last, the last socket, I'd put another power strip. I had them like pigtailing off each other. They were the whole room was blinking red and green with those phones. So I said, I can't. There's no way. Like, and they didn't like to hear you can't. You know, but I was like, I can't. There's no way for me to do. I can't even charge them, much less put them all out and give all these. So they got a, a local college. I think it was maybe at Hartwell or I don't even remember where it was. All that stuff blurs together. But they got a local college team come out and help me put uh, the GoPros out and hired Ronnie Moore to come in and help out with Bass Track. He ended up taking over Bass Track. And so uh, 
Mm, there was a there was somewhere in there I was gonna do a long story short. But anyway, that's how I got to working with Bass and from the Everstarts, maybe. I don't know. Utterly incredible, man. Yeah. Dude, just I mean, you you've I don't even want to roll into the next question. There's still so much to talk about right here. I mean, you you've you you you've covered you've covered KVD one on one probably more than anybody else in the industry. You 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 spent more time with Swindle, more time with Ike. Like I can just continue to name drop down the list. Um, I, I mean, you you you're not even nowhere near. You're younger than I am, and you've already lived so many guys' dreams and spent so much time with so many of these elite guys. Dude, just your whole story, man. Everything that you do. I don't know. Brad has a hard time controlling me because I got to talk to Rick Clun this weekend. I mean, I got to have breakfast with him, and yet, you know, I'm like all Rick Clun, you know? And here you are, like, you know, you can call any of these guys anytime you want to, and yet you spend a waste an hour of your life with me on this show, bro. I don't know what you're doing wrong. You made some terrible decisions. No, I mean, I, I've been in close proximity to a lot of great people, but there's, I mean, there's others, you know, that have obviously had like Overstreet. There's no telling the intimate moments that he's had with these different guys. And Sago's another one. And, and these camera guys, man, the, the guys with the camera on their shoulder, those dudes, the, the, the relationship they have, because they're doing their, and that was the cool thing about what I did. I had a job to do and they had a job to do. We were basically coworkers and my job was to make them look good. And so like Kevin would turn to you and hold a fish up, you know, and you, so you end up with this interaction where he wants to see me do great. Cause that makes him look good. So, I mean, you're just feeding off each other, but there's a lot of, uh, a lot of interesting relationships and, and uh, stuff that I've built over the years. And, you know, a lot of great people. The biggest question I would get a lot of times, who don't you like out there? And honestly, there was nobody I wouldn't work with. There were some guys I would rather work, rather not work with, but there were no, no, I didn't have a problem with anybody at the elites and, uh, or any of those always, working. I always want to know somebody I've never, you know, it's funny cause I've never even asked you this off camera and maybe I will don't answer it, but I want to know what, what boat was more comfortable to ride in on some of these events. Cause you've been skinned back in some boats in your life. And, and we're going to talk about that off camera. Cause I ain't going to put no pressure on nobody. Most of the time I was in my own boat. Uh, actually Skeeter, uh, I used, and that was one of the coolest things. One of the coolest moments in all of what I did, Skeeter, Jerry McKinnis, late Jerry McKinnis, uh, yep. he hooked me up with Skeeter and said, look, you know, this guy's covering – I was covering the elites, the opens, the college, Bass Nation. I was covering anything that didn't conflict. I was on the road like 225 days a year. And when I'd come home, I'd be home for three or four days. And, I mean, you unpack, repack, go. So uh, I was out there all the time. So he's like, you know, I was looking for a boat. And he put me in touch with Skeeter and uh, Joanne over there. and they hooked me up with a wrapped Yamaha show Skeeter. Uh, I think it was an FX20 at the time. And they had GoPro on the side of it too. Um, and I got the boat, just used it for a year, turned it back in. And when I went to turn it back in, the coolest moment in all of what I've ever done. And not many, I mean, honestly, like a lot of people see these pros running around, they think they got the world, but that a lot of them are, are working very hard for what they get. And they, they don't, everything's not free, you know? So, a lot of these dudes are still a lot of these guys even at these high levels are still sleeping in boat ramps yeah. and eating pizzas and making you know, eat and, you know so i pulled up and i had a rap skeeter yamaha behind me i pull in at, in texas my dad rode with me and we pull in and there's another rap skeeter yamaha under the cover so i pull in i back this one up beside it i unhook 
pull up, I back up that and hook up and I drive off. And I felt like I robbed a bank, man. I was like, there's no way this is, this is not real, you know? But so usually I was in uh, that Skeeter. Uh, I'm trying to think if I ever covered it out of any of the other boats I had. I don't think I ever, maybe I, I had a Ranger there for a while, but most boats nowadays, I, I never rode with many people. What you end up seeing is not the boat, but the driver is what you'll yeah. The few times I've been in other boats, I wouldn't say that Bass Cat or Skeeter or, or Ranger or Nitro or any of them rode particularly better, but you got better drivers and less nuts drivers. So uh, some of them just go full out all the time. And, uh, you know, that, that can get a little rough, get a little, get a little sketchy. I rode with Hackney one time, and I remember holding on to the handlebar quite well on Gunnersville. Speaking of your older boat, there's actually some phenomenal photos of your boat on your Instagram. And that's going to lead us into question three here. Uh, question three is a segment we call crankbait that Instagram. And uh, if you guys are not following Shay Baker on Instagram, Brad will drop some links, but you absolutely guys need to. And when you got some free time or, uh, you know, maybe, uh, you know, maybe, maybe you got some downtime or maybe you got, you know, if you got the coronavirus and you're sitting at the house, you know, scrolling through your, uh, scrolling through your photos nonstop, go check out uh, uh, Shay's Instagram because I'm fixing to drop six photos here, Shay, that I want you to explain a little bit more in depth about. Um, but you have got just a plethora of, uh, of an amazing Instagram, bro. And so I'm going to drop some photos up here on the screen. And I want you to tell me a little bit more context about each of these photos. All right. You ready? Yeah, maybe. All right. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Um, we're going to start off right here. Nice and easy. I mean, this mm. is August 4th, 2014. Shay, yeah. what's going on? I mean, bro, is this back in your head? No, no. I have never had a hook past the bar in me. As much as I fish, as much as I've been around it, my dad's had a bunch. Everybody I know has had a bunch. I've had to pull a rattling rope. My dad had a rattling rope pinning like two or three fingers together one day when I was a kid. And he's like, pull it out. I'm like, mm -mm, ain't no way. So, but anyway, we got it out. I don't remember it was on Lake Martin. But that right there is Brett Pruitt. Uh, he made a cast uh with a limber rod with the top water a little too much slack and hooked himself in the back of the head he did it to himself and i would like to say that that's impossible but i'm not going to put that on myself because i will do it tomorrow if i say it's impossible but he did he reared back he had a, they were schooling and in his defense these fish were big it was on two, i believe and the spots were blasting the top of, i mean they were smoking it and big ones and they were so hard to catch you had to land right on their head right when they were jumping and so on and so forth so back and boop and he just like goes and snatches his own head forward and i was like or did you come up on him later no i was i was shooting that's a picture i took of it i mean i was shooting him and i had to go over there i think i pulled it out of his head uh i don't know if it was me or the camera guy the video camera guys we had a video guy on his boat too but we all kind of got over there and did what we could and it was pretty bad but old brett uh, that dude's that dude's hardcore he uh Go pull that thing out of the skull. I mean, that thing is in there. Is the God? It hurts me just thinking about it. Yes, uh, uh. All right, photo two. I think this needs some more context as well. Well, you see, one of the situations where I was hung. <laughs> all right, I know that don't look good, but it was very good. It does not look good. Uh, there's actually a picture. Of, I don't know if it's on Instagram or not. Maybe you may have pulled it if it is. Maybe on Facebook. My dad, one day we're out fishing and he had like some 
bean weenies or something. He's like, I ain't got a spoon. I was like, man, I got a whole box of spoons in there. And he pulled out one of my spoons. And he's like, I said, take the hook off, you know. It's this old flutter spoon. And he dipped out some uh, beanie weenies and ate them. I was like, but, yeah, that was that was pretty good. Thing. But, I mean, you got to be careful. A similar situation that, see, my hands are a little dirty. A lot of times when we go camping with his kids, we would have veinas. I don't know if y'all know what veinas are, but uh, two basic ingredients. love right here, guys. Yeah, there are two basic ingredients, potted meat and Viagra. But I'm sorry, that's one of my uncle's favorite jokes. But uh, so veinas, we'd be sitting there on a sand with his kids, and we're fishing, it's dark, and catfishing, camping out. And uh, you get up, you know, catch one, take it off hook, throw it over there, and put put your worm back on your hook, you know, and throw out and get you a bite of veina and so on and so forth. So the night will go on, and when we turn the flashlight on and go back to the tent, your whole hand will be black except for your fingertips where you're catching getting the veinas, and you're eating worm guts and dirt and everything. So that reminded me of that. But, yeah, the peanut butter wasn't so bad. I left a layer. I love your hashtag at the bottom of this post. It says, which hand did I wipe with earlier? Oh, yeah. That's- <laughs> you got to think about a lot of things when you're on the water. You don't think about things until you're out there in a serious situation you know bro like i mean you said like you knew you should have eaten but you didn't eat and so you got the shakes and next thing you know you need that you need that protein to kick in the jar of jiff is just in there i i dude i'm they laugh at me because i carry a jar of peanut butter with me in my truck almost everywhere but i have a whole stack of chick-fil-a spoons that i've stolen from chick-fil-a over the years I don't. I don't know that I've ever gone knuckle deep in a jar of jiff, bro. I don't steal from Chick Fil A. You like McDonald's spoon, man. Chick Fil A's guys, chicken. You can't steal. I don't even go to McDonald's. Stealing from the church, man. Don't be like that, bro. I'm telling you right now. I, my, McDonald's could call me for a sponsorship deal tomorrow, and I'd tell them now, nah, kick rocks. Tell them yes. Thank no, you. No sir. Them golden arches ain't doing nothing for I me. Chick Fil A, but I would definitely wrap the boat. <laughs> you wrap the boat with the arches. I mean, that southern style chicken. I mean, that's passable. That's no, it's, I mean, I say that I haven't even tried it. There's no way. Wow. If I'm doing chicken, bro, it's Chick fil A or churches, straight up. Zaxby's. So, Zaxby's is solid. Zaxby's, Brad, Brad in the back with the with the truth. Zaxby's is solid. Y'all make me hungry, man. My bacon's on the grill. Zaxby's ice actually is the truth. Chick fil A ice. I, dude, I, I, honestly, Zaxby's ice, I think, trumps Chick fil A ice. Wormhole. Wormhole. Yeah. Wormhole. We'll get under that later, two, so. two, two, two Instagram deep dives in. Uh, hey, I think we referenced this a little bit before. I mean, this looks like about 100 GoPros, right? <laughs> that was rough, man. I mean, that was, you know, I don't know. Most people now have had a GoPro, or a lot of people have. And when you unpackage them things, it's like they're worried about – it's like you're a, a criminal. You have to be an expert criminal, criminal that's trying to steal the thing to even get it out once you get it home. You have the top box and then the bottom box, and this is taped to that, and this is bolted down, and that's got a little clip on it. You got to fold this back, do a backflip, and it'll come off. That had to happen a hundred times. <laughs> my point. That was that, no carpet showing after that picture right there. It was like there was cardboard, plastic, everything, and then all those lights blinking all over the place. I did have to get all hundred out, charge all hundred up, and then give forty to the production team, and then keep up with sixty myself. So. It's pretty intense, yeah. I think yeah. sixty GoPros is a lot. I mean, that's heavy. Yeah, it's a lot of chargers. That's a lot of power strips. I mean, you were putting in some work back then. Yeah, it was a good time, but I mean, it was you know four o'clock till midnight, and uh, but I mean, I loved it. You know, 
on it. <laughs> What's going I on? I mean, here? just a pile of memory cards here on top of the old MacBook here. Oh, I yeah. mean, just more of what the world doesn't get to see. You know, I, I, and I feel like there's a kinship here because I understand, you know, what, what you're going through here a little bit. I've never ran 60 GoPros before, not even close. Yeah. Uh, Typically, we'd run 12. I mean, 60 was for the classic. And but most of the time it'd be twelve and uh, ten or twelve, and I, I would be doing it by myself then. But uh, my morning, I'd go out, and I'd put ten or twelve on boats, and then I'd go out on the water or shoot launch, upload launch, go out on the water, shoot a gallery, come back, upload a gallery, uh, shoot the way in, upload a gallery. That's like an open or something if I was by myself. Or I remember more college and bass nation stuff. But you now I was always doing something. And then at night after everything was over with, I did it GoPro footage. So the you know, uh, GoPro automatically breaks it up like 30 minutes, 29 minutes. It's actually, I get size, but it would work out about 29 minutes at 7, 20, 60. And, um, I could, I could burn, I could scrub through whatever those clips were 29 minutes in like seven seconds and tell you if somebody caught one, but I had that stationary camera. So the only re the only way the guy would come back, you know what I mean? Go to the live well or whatever. So you'd see, I mean, he'd just be sitting there like this right here. And then you disappear from the frame and you're like, all right, and you move back. And most of the time, there was a few times. I'm not gonna mention the angler, but one guy I forgot he had a GoPro on his dash and it falcon, the water was down like I don't know, 20 feet. I don't remember. It was way down. And he beached his boat and zigzagged up the hill until he got to a tree because it and had to use the bathroom. But it was pretty comical because I was scrubbing and I'm like, what's he doing? He just runs up on the bike and he goes, what the, oh. And he told me later that day, he's like, uh, two things. I caught a uh, big fish on a 10XD. I don't want that show. And I had to use the bathroom. Don't want that show. I was like, hey, man, no problem. I got you. Go looking for that. Go looking for that. Hmm. Now, you're, you're, I mean, this is probably, I studied photography. I mean, ad nauseum. I love it. But this Shea Baker is one of my favorite photos I believe I've ever seen in the fishing industry. You guys are this screenshot is not doing it justice. When you guys are done with this show, go find this photo and look through this list of what he did this day. Shay, I do. I just every single time I see this man, I just want to give you a round of applause. I love this shot, bro. Tell us about it. I appreciate it. That's one of my favorite shots too ever. And what's the thing about it is he's so focused and dialed in. And he would that's Derek Remitz, he would go up and down like six feet you know, between waves and it, but look at him. He looks like he's sitting on just a calm body of water and you'll see in some of the other pictures, I don't know, but like his trolling motor be all the way out of the water. He's got that long shaft one for up there. And so basically I was trying, I, the, the most difficult thing was taking a picture that would show how bad it was because at, at its worst, I couldn't see him. The wave was between me and him. I'd be in the trough and he'd be in the trough and you couldn't even see each other. But how do you depict that? You know, I take a picture of it and it's just water. So, it was that was, I think they called that the Jesus fisherman or something. I don't remember because it looks like he's walking on water. But that ended up being a two-page spread in Bassmaster magazine or Bass Time. I think it was Bassmaster magazine, and that was definitely one of the coolest shots I ever got. I mean, it was, and I like Derek Rimmons. He's a great guy. He's like the epitome of a professional fisherman in my mind. Like that guy that fisherman on the run. Uh, uh, you know, I wrote a thing about basically a guy that just grinds and finally gets it done, and and how you know the build up and all of the stuff that comes after. So that that's kind of the guy Derek Rimmons is me. So it was really cool to get to spend that day on the water with him. And uh, I don't, I think he ended up, I don't think he ended up winning, but he was, he had a monster bag on the first day. I think he led the second day, but 
Yeah, that was a good. That was a good time. Right? It's I, incredible, man. To this date, it's it's just it's, it's one of my absolute favorite things, dude, that I've ever seen. And I'm not even talking in the fishing industry, dude. I've been studying photography my whole life, and Shea Baker. It's just it's incredible, man. Great job. Great, great job. Now, this is my probably my second favorite photo on your Instagram. And uh, I'm a little, I'm a little, uh, I got a little bit more heartstrings that tug on this one here. But, bro, I mean, this is an epic moment right here. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Tell us about this. Well, I borrowed a bona fide from a buddy of mine named Scott Butcher. Uh, two of them, actually. And, uh, but, so I'm, I don't, I'm not a kayak fisherman. I'm a fisherman who likes to fish, and I really enjoy doing new stuff because I have done so much and I get burnt out and I'm ADD and all. And so I get burnt out on certain things. So with it, the kayak deal was interesting to me, but I don't know. I, I, I do like the idea of kayak tournaments, but my problem is when I start doing serious tournament fishing, it burns me out on whatever I'm doing it in. So I don't really want to dive into it as much as I would probably like to, because I'm afraid I get burnt out. So this deal was me applying tournament, you know, a kayak to my tournaments and, we have these little Wednesday nighters on our local lake and we might have, you know, we used to have 15, 25 boats. It's a small lake, but now we might have five to 10 uh, on any given Wednesday night. And in the summer, man, it gets tough, like six, or seven pounds of wind. And, but sometimes somebody will catch an eight pounder and a, and a one pounder and have nine pounds. And sometimes you catch 20 pounds still, but most times it's pretty tough. So that night uh, we hadn't been catching much and I got a swim jig and a couple other things and built me a, uh, <laughs> What up there? Built me a uh, ice chest uh, and put an aerator in it. A couple of little bubble makers. I called it a yak well. And like two weeks later, a yak well came out. <laughs> uh, a little net deal that somebody made to hang off the side of the boat. So anyway, uh, that uh, that I went out, caught like seven pounds, and won the tournament against seven or eight boats. And my dad was one of them. Boats. Yeah, it ain't like you're doing CPR like we do in our world. You actually had a cooler behind you that you filled up with water, and you were keeping the fish in them. Came back in and weigh in, and then won the won the derby there. Won the Wednesday night event. That was big fish. It was like a two and a half pounder. But yeah, it was pretty epic, man. It was a uh, it was a cool deal. A lot of trash talking went on, and I actually filmed the whole thing. It's uh, it was pretty cool. One of the most nerve wracking parts of that night. When I didn't think about it, but. I'm in a kayak very close to the water with no control of what's behind me, really. And I didn't have a motor or anything. I just had a paddle. I was exhausted. It was a trip. That that ice chest is heavy full of water as far as lugging it around in the boat. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I filled it up right away. Like, I didn't have a pump to pump it in then. I got one on now where I can just turn it on whenever I get a bike. I've got a Yellow Tech little power station that I, I got where I've got my aerator, just a regular bilge aerator whatever through one of the scupper holes and it pumps water over into it. So all I got to do now is push the button on the side of that power station when I want uh, water to go in. So if I don't catch something for the first hour, I don't have to load that water around. But anyway, that night, load water around and had it slapped full of water because I'm like, I want to make sure I keep the fish alive. That's my main. I, the whole thing would have been pointless if I killed one fish to me. So I turn around and put the first fish in there. No problem. Open the lid, shut the lid. Well, when I caught my second fish, I have an ice test like this big, wide open, with water that close to the surface, you know, and I've got to put fish number two in there. And I'm like, uh-oh, didn't think about this. So I cracked the lid, I like shoved the fish in there real quick. And that worked till like fish number three or four. And then I try to do that and I miss. The fish goes like down into the bottom of the kayak, under my butt and everything. And I'm trying to get it freaking out because I know it's tough and miserable. Got the cameras on, like I'm gonna be the biggest idiot ever because I, 
threw one of the little keepers I caught back. And my either my fourth or fifth fish, of course, one of the last ones was the biggest one of the night. And I'm like, this is definitely not going to go well because I got to open the lid further and get the bigger one in. And so after I got that fish in there, I'm thinking, well, what happens if I got a cold? None of this stuff, ran, I didn't think I was going to get a bite before I put the cat in the water. None of this stuff was running through my head. So now yeah, you're worried about gold tags. Yeah. Now I've got a deal where I've got uh, mesh over the top of it. So under the lid, there's mesh. It's like two thirds and then a third, a little bit of overlap. So when I open it, there's mesh still keeping the fish from jumping out. I got it Velcroed around the lid. So now I just like slide my fish into that slit and I got cold tags on them. So if I do need to call, I can open it up, look through the net. I don't have to worry about one jumping out. I can slide <laughs> the cooler night. Well, it's pretty neat, dude. I thought about making them and sell them, but I, you know, the CPR deal, I don't want to try to distract from that. Oh, there's my article on Angler about making it. If y'all want to make them yourself. Yeah. <laughs> it's a pretty cool little deal. You know, it's phenomenal, dude. Phenomenal. I, to, to my knowledge, somebody can correct me out there if I'm wrong, but I think you're the first guy to, uh, to beat bass boats out of a kayak uh, <laughs> that I've heard of anyway. So yeah, somebody else was talking about it. They, they were, I, I saw, that's where I got the inspiration. I, I hate that I don't remember the guy's name. I don't remember anybody's name. If I meet him, that's bad. I got terrible memory. But I saw a guy post about fishing against, you know, bass boats and he finished like third or something. I was like, dude, that's cool. I'll do that. That's it looks like fun. You know, that's a challenge. Um, so I've seen a couple of the guys do it. I don't know if anybody ever won, but I mean, it was like six or seven boats. So yeah, no big deal. But I got me some money out of it. I burnt very little gas. I did burn some peanut butter and some other things that night, but I didn't burn any gas. So. I got it. Well, guys, if y'all are just tuning in, welcome to Westbrook Wednesday. We're at the halfway point here, a little bit further, um, with with uh, with Mr. Shea Baker himself, kind of kind of talking a little bit about why he's so respected in the industry and why everyone considers him the Renaissance man of the of the industry. Um, uh, we ask you guys to do two things. If you haven't done it already, drop in the comment section. Let us know where you guys are watching from. Secondly, go in and smash that share button if you're just tuning in, catching up. You guys can catch up and, uh, and follow us on every major podcast platform. We usually publish sometime tomorrow morning. You can catch up on all of our on all of our earlier shows um, on, on on almost every major podcast platform that's out there. And of course, you can find all those backdated shows at westbrooksupplyco.com forward slash Westbrook Wednesday. We are here bringing you guys a little bit of entertainment, a little bit of fun off the water, um, and just a little bit of life here every single Wednesday night on the show that we call Westbrook Wednesday. Now, Shay, man. I want to get a little bit serious here for a second. You've um, you started uh, you you've you've been riding. You've been a part of this for a long time. And when we first met, honestly, man, I was so blown away that on the plane ride home, like I started doing more research of you and figuring these things out. I became such a fan in that few in that few days that we spent together um, up in Pennsylvania when we first met. And, and it kind of, I, I think that we even had this conversation privately before your Wired to Fish article came out. And I just, I wanted, I didn't understand, um, quite honestly, why, why you're not a Gerald Swindle level player, because I think you're just as smart, just as capable, just as confident, just as, just as all of these things. And as I got to know you more, you then went in uh, in December of this this past year and published an article on Wired to Fish that pretty much went viral. And and uh, guys, if you haven't seen this article, I, I want you guys to check it out. I'm gonna see if I can go in here and share a screen real quick, um, just so that way you guys will know what direct what to look for. Um, but this thing pretty much went viral. I mean, it kind of it kind of took off. And your title here was "My Battle with Depression: 
It can happen to anyone, even with a dream job. All the way up in this interview, man, we've made some jokes. We've poked fun. We've talked about you living this life. People have even dropped in the comment section here live tonight talking about how great your life is and, and you're living the dream and then the, you know, that, that jealousy and that, you know, the grass is always greener. But man, this article shook me. It, it shook Brad. It, it just, it, it hit a nerve in the industry that I don't think you even expected. I think when we talked, you were even worried about really hitting send when this thing first kind of hit the ground and took off. Tell me a little bit. I don't want you to dive into articles. I want people to go read it for themselves. But tell me a little bit about what you, uh, you know, what you felt like before you hit the ascend, and then now it's been two or three months later. Kind of how you feel after this article's out and all this stuff is kind of off your chest and a little bit more public knowledge. Well, Nicholas, keep fighting, brother. Um, but uh, I'd say I I don't really get embarrassed very easily. I don't. I said some stuff in there about, uh, you know, worried about, and I, you know, it's true. Some people may not want to work with me after I said what I was going to say and, and that kind of thing. And that's fine. But I said that more to, to alleviate some of the fears of other people that won't open up. Like the biggest thing, the worst thing you can do is not talk about it. And I'm, I'm a talker. I'm a BSer from the word go. Brandon Shea Baker, uh, they called me Shea from the get go. I was like, mom, dad, why job name me Brandon Shea? If you're going to call me Shea, daddy said, well, you're going to be a BSer. Initials had to work. And um, well, if that's true or not, but that's what he went with. So <clears throat> I don't mind talking about anything. Uh, I, I had some hesita- some reservations. It was more, and I knew it would embarrass my family or anything, but it was more about, I don't know, not airing other people's stuff out. You know, I talk about a lot of stuff in there, and there's a lot of people in my life, you know, that I mentioned and everything. So it's kind of one of those deals where I wasn't just talking about my stuff, but I talked to people that I needed to talk to and made sure it was all right. And, and uh, put it out there. And, it, and it, a lot of people said it helped them. And a lot of people said it encouraged them to go talk to people and get help and everything. And I don't know. You know, it's uh, – I got manic depression, basically. Uh, and so I can go and go and go and go and go and be really creative and really put a lot out and and like a lot of energy fired up, you know, for three, four, five, six months at a time. And then I crash. And I'll, I'll tank pretty hard. And uh, – you know, for two months, don't feel like doing anything, don't feel like getting out of the bed, whatever, pick up my nieces, don't feel a thing. You know, it's tough when you get to that point where you don't feel anymore, you just become numb, and it's scary, scary as hell, I ain't gonna lie. And uh, so, but once you come out of it the first time, and you, go, you know, you realize that everything, there's seasons in life, you know, and uh, you just gotta keep going and get through them. But, uh, but yeah, so I put that out there and, uh, you know, a lot of goods come of it. And I said, if it could help one person, it'd be worthwhile. And it's cathartic for me to write it out, you know, and to go through it again. Like I don't sit around and dwell on that stuff, but to put the story together and put it out there, I had to really, you know, do a deep dive again and see why I felt things and see what I was thinking. And so it was good for me to go through and put it out there. How, follow up. How how has how has the response been different from what you initially expected, Jay? I had a lot of people reach out, which I didn't know if anybody would, or you know, how many people really read these things, and how many people would care. Or I don't know, whatever. But I had a lot of people reach out. A lot of people, you know, pray for me, thinking about you, all that, and that's huge and great. And but for the folks that are going through it, which I know a lot, 
it's awesome and I appreciate it. But that's one of the biggest things is like, I know I shouldn't be depressed. I'm like people know they shouldn't be depressed. A lot of times, like I've got a great life. There's a lot of people with, you know, terrible situations who have a much more positive mental attitude. And, but it, that, it doesn't matter. Like you, and that's, I mentioned that in there, like, this is the worst thing I went through. The thing that kind of triggered me. And that's not nearly as bad as losing your legs in the war or, or whatever. But for me, it was the worst thing I'd ever been through. So that was my rock bottom for other people. So it's, it's a scale, it's a spectrum. And, and I'm not comparing what I went through at all to some of those much more horrific things. Um, but that's kind of how your mind works. You, and human nature and the psyche and everything really interests me because there's just, we do some really dumb things sometimes and we do a lot of stuff that I mean, you know how dangerous texting and driving is, but everybody still does it. How in the world, like somebody's life could be over two seconds later and you'd be like, why was that? Why? But we do that stuff. We sit there and go through our phone on Instagram for an hour and a half and you look up and you're like, how did I just do that? So there's a lot of things that don't make a lot of sense. And this is just another one of them. You feel bad. You don't know why there's no reason to be sad. You're sad. You're numb. You know you shouldn't be, but and that's that comes even more frustrating. So it's just a cycle that is very frustrating. But mine had a root cause, and I talk about that in the article and everything. And so I felt better. Uh by and large, you know, I still I still have it. I always will. It's like an alcoholic's alcoholic, you know, uh forever. It's just whether or not he's sober. And uh, so for me, I have to do things to try not to give in. And I recently lost 26 pounds. I more recently gained 27. So the frustrating thing is like, I know what to do, but you just have to do it. So now, you know, I have to get back after it, go out and exercise. And I got to where I was walking to work once or twice a week, about five miles. I was trying to do 10 miles a day. I mean, 10 miles a week and um, lost a lot of weight, started eating better, doing intermittent fasting. There's a lot of things in there. I mean, God, church, all that's very important to me. There's a lot of things that I think people will try to pray a problem away, but then take no action. And so, you have to like, if you, you say, say you say a prayer and in your mind, you think I need to, I need to start eating better. Maybe that's God telling you, like, take some of this on yourself. Like you're, you're asking for my help. This is what you need to do. So I don't, you know, it all works together and it's all, there's a lot more to being healthy than I realized when I was younger, you know, youth is wasted on the young, which I'm very young still in, in the grand scheme of things, but I always heard that when I was a kid and, I was good about not rushing through high school and rushing through this and rushing through that. I've always tried to enjoy whatever season of life I was in. And same thing with, you know, covering tournaments. And it was great, but I was also for a while there, you know, single, still don't have a wife, no kids. So you end up trying to rush through some other season of your life to get to something else. And so, you know, it's all relative. And there was a question in there and there was an answer. It came at some point and I guess we can move on. Very well, man. Well, thanks so much, dude. I, I, I not only for myself, but so many others, man. Uh, that that article just uh, was insanely powerful, man, and very well done. You're, you, I mean, you know that you're a phenomenal writer, but to go to that place and to, and to kind of peel back those layers of yourself and put yourself out there like there, um, dude. I, just hats off to you. Um, uh, much love, man. Thank you so much. That article touched a lot of folks. And uh, and it's still out there. You guys, Brad's already dropped in the comments section here. You guys go check that thing out. I'm telling you right now that if you do nothing else from this show, um, go read that, check into that, and then uh, and then you know and, and check on your friends, check on your family members that uh, you know that you might be thinking uh, you know is having an issue or could be having an issue or just need to talk. 
um, and, uh, and, and, and find somebody to talk to, find some way to vent, find some way to cope. Um, there are definitely some professional resources out there. Um, I'm not one of them and neither is Brad, but Brad's already threw it up there and we will do it. Uh, if, if any of us can help in any way, uh, definitely reach out. This is a small community and it's a community about family, um, above fishing. So, um, on to question five, man, uh, which actually ties in very well to family and fishing. Uh, you, uh, you once had a, uh, put a nine and a half pounder in the, in the boat on Lake Okeechobee, um, called your dad, basically screaming like a little schoolgirl, and, uh, in the middle of a tournament and mom and dad pretty much left the grocery store, jumped in the car and took off down there showing that support, man. Everywhere that I look and everywhere that I see mom and dad rode with you a couple hours over to my house to pick up some boats. I've become such a fan of your father after knowing you that, uh, that Ricky Baker is kind of, I mean, he's an icon in and of himself. I mean, tell me a little bit, man, about, about your dad and that relationship and, 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 and why, why it's just so good, bro. Well, very, very lucky. My parents still together, um, 40, maybe 40 years or so that got married and she was, I think 17, he was 21. He always told everybody, you got to marry him young and raise him the way you want him. But uh, I don't know how, I mean, she's probably done more raising him than he has her, to be honest with you. But I, I've, I've met your mother. Yes, she's raised him way more than he's raised her. And it's a, it's a joint. I mean, that, they're both awesome. Uh, Mom doesn't get a lot of the credit she deserves because fishing is such a big deal. But, you know, she put up with his mess and, and did a great job as a mom and a wife. To And he always told her, you know, like, she she never would say anything about him spending money on fishing work. So we'd usually go out and win enough to mess around and offset it, at least in our own minds. And uh, he, if she ever did kind of start to, he'd say, well, look, you know, it's cheaper than therapy. And I don't know if he's ever run the numbers because I highly doubt it is, especially at this point. But anyway, yeah, that it was, uh, you know, I had a great childhood and fishing, like I said, a big core part of it. My dad, <clears throat> we're tight and, you know, you get to where you, you're father and son, but your best friends, you like brothers too a lot because you got to share passion. So, um, you know, it's, it's been a great relationship and yeah, I caught that nine pounder. And what's funny is like I was working some tournaments and all at the time. So I called them and I knew the rules better than most people did because I had to hear them all the time. And at that time it was kind of when cell phones and you know, more people were coming depending on them for work and, a lot of those guys fishing the tournament had their own businesses and all. So there was a time when you could not use a cell phone in the tournament. That was like purity, no cell phone uses in the tournament. Well, then it became the rule of you can't use a cell phone to gain information about, uh, about, uh, what up, Bradley? <coughs> about, uh, you know, how to catch a fish or whatever. So when I caught that fish, I knew I picked up the phone, called my dad, and said, I caught a big one, you know, 10 hours away down there. And, uh, I knew I had another area where I shook some decent fish off and I had a five pounder already. So I had a pretty good bag going. And so I ran to the place where I caught that first five pounder and pulled back in and like made a pitch, caught a five pounder. And I called James Overstreet at that point. So I'm like, you know, he's down there shooting pictures. I was going to see if he was still in the water. It was getting about one o'clock. So that's that picture above me. Uh, but I flipped into another mat and while I'm on the phone with him in the YouTube video, you'll actually see it go quiet for a second because I was talking to Overstreet on the phone and I was like, Oh my God, I got another big one. I got another big one. And I boat flipped like another four or five pounder. 
I, I think he ended up with like four or five pounders and a nine pounder and uh, ran back in and got back with like 45 minutes to go. And I just fished right there around the dock. Cause I, I've had tournaments where I was within sight of the dock, make one last stop boat break down, couldn't get in, I jumped in a boat with somebody else. Didn't take my co with me cause the wind was blowing the boat up on the rocks as a gundle and uh, go back in with my fish and his fish tagged separate bags. I mean, I was within sight of the dock, but I wouldn't leave my boat blowing against the rocks. Get back and turn great to his ever start, turn great And it was by the rules. You know, you're not supposed to leave your co in there. And I had to throw my fish and his back from the dock. So I've had situations like that happen. I wasn't going to have that happen with 29 pounds or whatever. That was what I had. But whatever I had in the boat, I knew I had 26, 27. And uh, <clears throat> so I get back up there and I fish around. And they didn't make it. I don't, I don't guess they made it that day because they couldn't have made it that fast. So. Like uh, the next morning is, I believe, how the story plays out. Yeah, they got there the next day. So, but yeah, they do anything for me, and you got to have that support system. You know, yeah, it was tough on you too, though. There, there was a time up on Anderson Creek where you lost the last bait. That was that was the key bait catching the fish up in Tennessee. Hey, yeah, uh, lessons uh, through fishing, and one of them I learned is don't break off a choke bow, uh, especially when your dad's already told you not to throw up there. Now he was being good to me. He, he was even good to me because I had the one bait they were biting. He gave it to me, and we already knew that he was biting because our other bait. Let's back up. Folks don't know this story. You're up in Tennessee for your little week away from school, and Dad's already caught his limit up the creek. He hands you the rod with this chug bug on it, and he's then told you not to cast this stump. You being teenage Shea Baker, what do you do? Well, it sounds like Dad told you this story, and he threw me in as a teenager. I was probably like six. This was borderline child abuse. Now, I, don't know, I was probably like nine or ten or I don't know, I don't know what age I was, but uh, I threw up there. And, I mean, it looked good. There was a stick up there. But the problem was the water was like that deep. And so the stick was basically, you know, laying on the bottom. And I threw up there and I hang the stick. And he's like, well, good luck. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, go get it. I was like, man, it's October at Wheeler. The water's like 50, you know. He said, go on. So I hop out and, you know, you sink down and muck like that far and, pull your foot out and squish your foot in and I end up getting up there, getting on the hook, get back out and uh get back to the boat and it got pretty I mean I, I won't say what got wet, but I got up to my belly button. So it was pretty chilly. And uh <laughs> it was a lesson learned. I didn't throw it back up there. I threw close, but I didn't quite push that envelope. Yeah, little, 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 nothing like a lesson of uh, uh of you know getting down in the muck and, and getting in that cool water yeah. to uh the become a better a more accurate caster huh yeah i learned a lot about contraction too science i mean it was a science lesson you learn a lot about fishing out there in life you know it's incredible incredible man last question and you hinted at it a little bit before but this is something for anglers everywhere i'm not really good enough to really comprehend what you're fixing to teach us but take us to class man you published an article and i want you to dig a little bit deeper into it actually about fishing your history. Um, I, I think it's mind blowing to me that you feel like you're in this kind of rut as, as an angler um, that, that you can, you can almost make it too complicated. You have the ability, like I've seen your cell phone, you have the ability to call almost any and everybody in this industry that you could want to call and get any information. All of these guys are your friends. Uh, you know, your, your comrades have mutual respect to you. Um, and, and, and you, and you don't, you're not doing any of that. What fill me in, educate these guys 
who who are who are trying to fish their history. What does that mean? I was reading some of the comments over here. I'm getting a little tickled. But uh, so the article I wrote was about being in a rut because uh, I've gone around and built some um, uh, milk runs on different fisheries that I end up now. I go to pretty regularly. I don't have a lot of time to practice. But I mentioned one thing. You said something about comparing me to Swindle earlier, and I'm nowhere near. But the one thing that I would love to be able to do that he does so well is not catch them at times and still get up there and BS and talk and have a good time and make something of it. He can polish, you know what, like nobody else. And he, he is really good at that. And I, I get sour, man. Like those last two tournaments, I fished a, a Bass Nation tournament up on Gunnersville and it was miserable, brutal. I mean, flooding, just rolling cold water. I go up there and I run a pattern where I caught 26 pounds before than I ever start doing and pretty similar conditions. It was a little muddier and a little swifter, but I, I went out there and I did, man, they have anything, you know, ended up catching one, three and a half pounder late cranking rock, which I hate doing the same thing that everybody else does too. Cause I mean, you just get in line and take a number and good luck, you know? So you gotta be able to do something like Hank Cherry, what he did, he got on that rip rat and he got a deeper dive jerk bait, got kind of below. He, he did something a little different, but I'm not good with jerk bait. I don't, so anyway, I just got on the rock, caught on a three and a half pounder. We run in, now I'm looking up there at the bag line, and I'm like, oh, God, I don't want to weigh this fish in. Uh, you know, and I should have weighed it in. It's, but I'm sitting there, and Dad's like, if you don't weigh it in, don't weigh it in. He was, it's actually pretty cool. The Bass Nation now, you can fish as a team against the other boats. If you Like my dad's fishing as a co-anger with me. I'm fishing as a boater against the other boaters, and we're also getting a team weight with our eight fish combined total if we ever catch eight. And uh, we uh, – we end up fishing against other, so you can make it to the team championship with bass and have a shot at the classic that way too, through the bass. So anyway, we were doing that. So he's in the boat with me. He's like, "You don't wait in, wait in." You know, the way that team deal works, each tournament's kind of separate. It's not a points deal. So I was like, "I don't, you know, I need to wait." So I was sour, man. I, we had a four-hour drive. I just threw the fish back, and I regretted it afterwards. I should have waited in, and especially when I saw the standings, it would have finished like middle of the pack. It was terrible. One three and a half pounder on Gunnersville would have finished 35th out of like 67 boats. Yeah, that's brutal. brutal. So anyway, that was, I hadn't had a good tournament since like November or something last year. It was a little club tournament. So I've had a rut. And so then I go from there to like Jordan and all this flooding and everything. And I go and fish places where I've caught 19 and 22 pound bags of spots and fish grass where I've caught big Lars mouth and do all this stuff. And, as an ABT, this was last weekend, the weekend before, caught one fish for 1.31 pounds. Finished 220th or so out of 225 boats. You don't talk about humble pie. I don't know who thought I needed a slice, but they stuffed the whole cake down my throat. And I'm sick and tired of the taste of it. I was so sour. I went up there and weighed that fish. Teams were trying to get the, the, the championship at the end of the years on the home lake for 50000 So I envy G-Man's ability to go up there and just take it on the chin and laugh it off. I'm sure when he walks off stage and lights go off and the camera shuts off, he's mad because he's a competitor. He wants to catch them. He's ticked off, PO, whatever. But he has, and it's done great things for him in his career. He has made more out of nothing when he does have bad days. Like a lot of guys have bad days, you never even realize it unless you go in there and look at the standings and see, you know, somebody at the bottom. But he'll go up there and tell you, he more lost than last year's Easter egg. It was one of my favorite ones. I don't know if he came up with it. That yeah. was fantastic. I've heard him say that some. He says a lot of stuff, but uh, can't keep up with all of it. But anyway, so that's kind of what inspired this article. 
the times I would go to these lakes, I never was big on getting information. I, I, it's hard to process information. And you got to be a whole different kind of angler to take on all this talk and come out with something good. Like trying to catch somebody else's fish is almost impossible because it's hard enough. Like I've been doing, trying to go catch the fish that I know that I've caught in the past, you know, trying to fish those same places. So I've never been big on getting information. And I was fortunate enough with my dad to have a very good skill set from an early age to just go out and fish. So I would take the few things that I knew how to do pretty well. And I'd go to these lakes like Okeechobee, going to Santee Cooper for the first time, put the boat in and I'd look at a map and I'd say, you know, they ought to, that looks like the creek where I fish back home, catching more spinnerbait. Let's go try that. And I go over and catch one. And so, but the problem is now I've done that enough and I would have four or five days to practice on the coasts and stuff, at least three. So now I've got four hours max sometimes to go practice if I go practice at all, or if I just go jump out there and run the milk run. So I've gotten to the point, like the next ABT is on Lay Lake. I don't have a lot of history on Lay Lake anyway, and there's 225 boats. So you're not gonna be able to get on a lot of stuff you want to. So I'm just gonna go fish what looks good that day and see how that turns out. And hopefully write a great article about how I'm a great fisherman. But uh, highly unlikely. I'm in a such a rut, dude. I'm so sick of it. I want to come out of it. I'm going to follow this weekend. It should be fantastic. When you go to Evolve, let's hook up. I need to, I'm going to hit you up. We're going to talk after the show. There's a Bass Nation event down there. And uh, that, that same one we fished on Gunnerville, same trail. So I caught 22 pounds down there a couple years ago. Finished second to Kobe Card. I'm going to go hit that place. You guarantee. I can't not do it there. I'm going to go hit my whole milk run there. But the good news is the weather's setting up perfect. There should be fish on the bank everywhere. You're going to have to have 25 to 30 pounds to win. And uh, if I just go down there and catch 17 pounds and finish 25th, I'd be happy with that. I'm just ready to catch a couple of good fish and get out of this rut. So, no, uh, it should be really good. The weather's setting up perfect. So that's the next term I got Saturday. and We'll see what happens. Love it, man. Well, Shay Baker, dude, just like I, just like I knew you would do, six questions up, six questions down. You absolutely slay, brother. Thank you so much, man. Great job. You guys smash that share button, smash those hearts, smash those thumbs up. Phenomenal show. Um, now, boss man, we've uh, we gotta we gotta we gotta give away a prize here. Tell us a little bit about this Yolo Tech and and why this has become such a valuable tool for you and uh, and and how you use it. I'm at a uh, guy an elite series event. Dave Mercer and I were up on stage getting ready for stuff that was gonna be done later. It was kind of middle of the day not much going on around the set then and uh he and i were up here talking about something and a guy walks up and he's got this stick you know it was called the power stick back then actually but uh or yeah, i think is it the power stick now it's called the aqua stick back then anyway he had this stick this metal rod and he comes walking up he's like i got something i want y'all to look at and it was christian corley and uh he was the guy that invented it and we looked at it and, and mercer obviously does a ton of filming too he's like that's cool you know because he you have a situation inevitably where your camera guy has to change batteries, tapes, whatever, puts the camera down for a second, eat a sandwich, do whatever else. And, uh, you miss that one catch. So you got that, you know, cameraman never stops rolling. So, uh, this deal is that he, he gave me one to go try out. And I went out and, uh, I actually caught some pretty cool fish catches and losses with it pretty quick. And the, the dash cam was the deal back then. And that's what I did. That's what everybody did. They weren't, I mean, your GoPros were like that big back then. You didn't do a lot of hat cam stuff. Yeah, yeah. I did, but my neck hurts now from it. But uh, I mean, my hat would be like this right here, and I'd have to, and 
the whole time. But anyway. Wow, but it, it's a strain if you wear that. I can't wear the, the session, but I mean the session is like half the weight. No, no, it's got like the frame, but it's you used to have like this big glass case you had to cut a hole in for any kind of uh, audio to come through. I mean it was a mess. But anyway, I actually had plugged in one time with a battery pack on. But long story short, this was much better. This was not the butt cam from the dash. This was you know kind of a camera guy back there. Especially as the resolutions was get were getting better, where it was getting above 720, where you could zoom in from back there, and got deals like with my dad. You know, we're going to be fishing the boat together, and you follow. We'll have it running on, on a uh, on the Yellow Tech uh, Saturday. We'll have a camera back there running, where no matter who catches them, you, you've got you know the action. And even in what I was doing in the Elite Series, covering tournaments, uh, my guys would run to the back to boat fish. They didn't have nets, so I would most of the time see the hook set. And that's it. And I educated them, come back to the camera, come back to the camera. This is for you, you know, come back to the camera. And now you see them all. They run back, even with a big shoulder camera in the boat, you'll see the guys run up to their, their own camera because they know they control that and they control the story that gets told with it for their own social media person. They know the importance of it now, but they would run back up there. But now, like, a lot of them run these cameras in the back, so they get the whole experience on that camera. So, anyway, it's a, it's a, a, a pole that goes in your light socket in the back of your boat. And they actually got a small one to go in the front too, if you want to. But this one goes in the back. You got two USB ports up the top. It extends uh, in two places where you can put a camera and a light. Uh, I actually, in that kayak, I had a light at night filming and a camera. It's, it's called a uh, double barrel. So you can have a light and a camera. Um, they got all kinds of stuff. They're changing up all the time. Over there, got some new, new products. A lot of stuff in the kayak where I got the trap. I think the trap mount, you're giving it away tonight. Yeah, the trap. Sort of what we're doing. Different things uh, that, that really bode well for the kayaker, too. But uh, anyway, a lot of great products. Um, but that that uh, power stick was uh, the first thing I ever messed with. I guess it was one of the first things, if not the first, they ever came out with. And uh, it's cool. I mean, it does a good job. You don't have to worry about changing batteries. Put a big card in there, and you can let it roll all day. And uh, it, don't, it don't really draw your battery down on your boat or anything either, especially if you move around a little bit. I mean, we've got full five graphs pulling, you know, power nowadays. I mean, I've seen guys no lie with five graphs in their boat. You have two dual mounts and like a, a, a non-sponsor brand under the steering wheel where they would have different mapping that they, they couldn't get on their brand, you know. So you got a lot of different stuff pulling from the battery. That's not going to hurt it at all. I got it, man. Dude, well, I tell you what. Here's a little piece of information that I'm not sure that you're that you're aware of or not. When Christian and I started talking about doing this giveaway and partnering up on this, um, Christian informed me that uh, that they've never done a giveaway hmm. for the Yolotex. They um, they there there's not a lot of of uh, of overhead in the company, and then they do things. It's a great product. They don't have to give them away. And as soon as I told him what I was doing and that it was with you, he said, bro, what do you want? That's awesome, man. That's good. And they got some great stuff. So somebody will be pretty excited when they get phenomenal stuff, man. They've got some phenomenal products. But more importantly, again, man, I keep coming back to it. And you guys know if you watch any of my shows and anything that I do, if you've been around me, I'm, I am so much for people. I think people are just what's right. I, I, I think uh, it's always people over products. And the fact that Christian and the and the folks at Yellow Tech, um, I've known him for a couple of years myself. Uh, I seen him this weekend at the Classic. As, as a matter of fact, and we bumped and we, we ran across each other 
a couple different times. And, um, and dude, I, you know, I hit him up and told him what we were doing with the show and straight up, man, as soon as I said your name, he said, I'm in, what do you want? And, uh, and so kudos, hats off Christian, hats off Yellowtech. If you guys are not familiar with this company, go check it out. But we're fixing to make one person a lucky, lucky winner. And, uh, guys, we asked you guys to go in and do a little commenting, do some sharing, do some tagging and drop a photo in. And one photo kind of stands out for me more so than some of the rest. And, uh, and to be honest with you guys, it's, it's our show and we get to pick who we want you to, to win this thing. And so we did, uh, Donald DM, DM. Uh, I'm going to go with DM. Donald DM. DM. In the Crescent, no less. Nice. Talk about not even ha he had somebody else take the photo because he didn't have a camera rig set up. So I tell you what, Donald, man, congratulations, sir. You are the lucky winner. You still don't have a camera because this package doesn't come with one, but now you're set up for you to save a little bit more money. So when you get that camera, you're now rigged and ready to go. It'll go perfectly in those Yak Attack tracks on the back of that Crescent rig. Um, congratulations, brother. Uh, drop in my DMs or jump in uh, Westbrook's DMs, and I'll get your stuff over to Christian with all your contact info, and we'll get it sent out to you. You guys tag him up. If he's not already in here watching, you guys tag him up. Tell him congratulations. Shay Baker, man, thank you so much, man. I got nothing left to do for you except for roll out the red carpet um, and give you an opportunity to thank any kind of sponsors, do any kind of shout-outs, any kind of family and friends. And then more importantly, tell us where you, what you got going on next in your life, man. Where can we follow you? on all of your socials well i don't really have any i wouldn't say quote-unquote sponsors anymore i got folks i still work with folks i like like call them friends with benefits is that that's a that doesn't sound like the right term uh mr brats uh good people guys over at rapala suffix uh uh man i i, I like I get stuff from spro sometimes you know I, you'll see a lot of the same things pop up a lot of times in my articles. And that's because I believe in the products. I'm not writing about anything for something, but I got a lot of these people I've known for a long time and Fitzgerald blues. Uh, those are both some I work with a lot and they're, they're good people in the industry. You know, I've built relationships with them. They don't expect anything out of me. I don't expect anything out of them. But we still end up working together and helping each other out. So if you ever see me talk about something, you don't have to worry about, you know, he's just trying to sell something because that's, I just use stuff I like. And that's the good thing about where I'm at now. Like I know a lot of people and I could get stuff from a lot of people if I wanted to, but I don't just do that to, to push product on somebody. So I don't really have any sponsors. And most of the stuff I do now is writing, but uh, I got a lot of people that I still try to, you know, help because they're good folks and got good products. Family, obviously mom, dad, sister, kids, brother-in-law, Uncle, shout out to the three three nieces, right? Three nieces, they wide open, son. Wide open. There's a two year old, and she'll tell you right quick, stop it, Uncle Shay. Quit, quit bother me. Quit, leave me alone. I want to get up there. I want to get up. And she's she'll tell you anything she wants to nowadays, and uh, tell you what she thinks about you too. And sometimes good, sometimes bad. But now they're good. They sweet kids, and it's all good. Got a great family. Uh, when is Shay gonna start doing some story time? <laughs> That was, uh, I mean, you know, uh, it's interesting. YouTube's so watered down and there's so much stuff, there's so much content. Everybody's got something to say. And I don't really do much on there anymore. I, I, do, I do stuff sporadically. When I get fired up, I jump on there and do stuff for six or seven weeks straight. But what I did find is I have a very 
committed and loyal and interested fan base. It's small, but boy, they like the stuff I put out. They, they'll bring up the most random thing that I've ever said and, and repeated. I'm like, man, you were, you really caught that at minute 1742 of that video about absolutely nothing, you know, me falling out of a kayak or whatever. So it's, uh, it's cool to see them enjoy it. I mean, that's the thing. Like I just want, whether it's through the writing or video or photography or whatever, I want, you know, people to enjoy it like I do. So it's good to get to hang out with folks. And that's what I try to kind of do through all my content. Well, dude, you do a phenomenal job, Shay, man. I am such a fan of yours, bro. You know it to be true. I, uh, I just, uh, dude, I keep doing everything that you're doing. Keep chugging along, bro. I, I'm a fan. I'm going to be a fan. And, and I hang on every single time I see your name on an article. I'm diving into it. I'm reading it every time I see a, uh, I get a bell notification on YouTube that you've loaded something new. And I hope all of you guys, I challenge all you guys, Brad's already dropped all the socials. Go find him on Instagram. Go find him on YouTube. Find him on Facebook. This is a guy in the industry that literally is involved in almost every part of the industry. He's got more knowledge than almost anybody else I could name. And, uh, dude, for you to take some time out of your life and come on this little show, man, it means a lot to me, brother. I just, I really, really appreciate you and your time and what you've done in this industry, bro. Keep chugging along, man. I appreciate it, brother. Anytime, and I enjoyed it. You know, we'll be just like this on the phone sometimes. Might as well record it. <laughs> Get yeah, absolutely right. Yeah, we'll have some of these phone conversations that are, that are longer than this. We might as well throw it up on the old interwebs, huh? Yeah, so it's good. Enjoyed it. Appreciate it. I appreciate it, man. Much love to the parents, and good luck you follow, bro. I'm only two hours away, so if you get on them, call me, bro. I'll come be your cameraman. Oh, man, I really, 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 really would like to catch them. I'm sick of this not catching them. Dude, I get it, man. I was down there a couple weeks ago. I went down and hung out with Worldwide Watson and spent some time with Ike and a couple others when they were wrapping that thing up. Got to see Lee a little bit down there. And, uh, and uh, you know, and, and love on his pup while he was uh, getting interviewed. I got to go to the truck and play with the puppy. And uh, so, you know, uh, it's, uh, it's it should be the right time. you got the tools, man. Go make it happen, brother. I'll tell you, I used to say, I, I'd lose a big fish. I'd, man, I just seem not get get a bite if I was going to lose it. Nowadays, I lost a three-and-a-half-pounder Saturday. I was excited. I was like, man, I know what I'm doing. I got a bite. You know what I mean? It's bad, but your perspective changes. You got to really be careful what you say, because you'll get. Hey, Brad, what does he need to be throwing? Ned Rig. See, Brad's like the Ned Rig, bro. He's, he's the Ned Rig king, man. Yeah, they they go if they bite the Ned Rig, it's gonna be an accident on the bed. But I mean, I ain't gonna say I ain't gonna catch one on it, but it's gonna have a hook about that big in it. You know? Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sled rig. Yeah, yeah, it's a, a four pound Ned Rig. Yeah. Phenomenal. Shay, man, I appreciate your time so much, man. Much love to the family. We'll catch you soon, brother. All right, brother. Appreciate it. Guys, that absolutely does it for Shay Baker here on Westbrook Wednesday. If you missed any of that interview, guys, I challenge you. I'm telling you, download the podcast early tomorrow, early tomorrow morning on every major podcast platform. Go in and check this out. Follow it up here or go catch the live upload link on, uh, on westbrooksupplyco.com forward slash Westbrook Wednesday. Uh, much love to all of you guys. Everybody fishing tournaments this weekend all across the country, local trails and national trails, kayaks, big boats, whatever. Uh, make sure that you guys are doing it. Um, April 18th, drop it on your calendar. Lake Lanier, we're going to have a big KBF event as well as a demo day. Lots of moving parts. I'll have more information and a post up on that very, very soon. 
but April 18th, Lake Lanier, Westbrook, KBF, we're all coming together. We're going to make this in a show, make this an event. I'm pumped about it. It's going to be a lot. Of, it's going to be a really, really good time. We're a couple weeks away from the KBF MC. Uh, there's uh, uh, over on Gunnersville. Uh, big shout out, Hank Cherry, for your win, bro, this past weekend, and all the guys over there. Um, uh, that does it for me. I'm your host, Scott Butcher. My man, Brad Cody, in the corner, keeping it down, holding us down. The uh, the the hand that comes in every now and then is uh is uh is is Mr. B. Rad. Uh, everybody needs a Brad, right? Everybody needs a Brad. Everybody should wash their hands. You should wash their hands, actually. Yeah. Tom Hanks. I mean, Tom Hanks got the coronavirus. What? They suspended. Isn't he like seventy? Sixty-three. <laughs> so he's oh, a, so he's a goner. I feel <laughs> like I already gone. got it. I got oh, the God. I got the corona. Bye, the whole ship's going down. <laughs> we got the whole ship going down, guys. Uh, talk of your dreams. I hope we will see you guys next week. Ah, oh, I got the corona.